Well, I, I got that dog in me. You don't know what I'm gonna do. Welcome to season six, where we're phoning it in. You don't think critically and then put a Pop-Tart into your body. I am highly caffeinated and minorly concussed. Aruga, aruga! What came first, the love sack or the gravity gun? It's my turn to do a sin with Sonic. This is for the freaks. <laughs> Too much piss. That's the kind of bad decisions we like to hear about. Let me a sleepy ass bat. How much shrimp can you fit in your mortal body? You told me you guys would be cool. That's season six intro material right there. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how smoothies are just a bowl and a spoon away from colloquially being called fruit soup. Uh, we've never talked right. about that, but yeah, okay. I, I feel like that's something you should have given us a heads up on, Matt. That's Matt. Matt just sprung. Well, it's that been on in us. the notes for at least like three hours. I don't know. I kind of just wanted to see how the words "fruit soup" would hit your ears. What about a parfait? Is that anything? Is that fruit soup as well? If you chew it, is it still soup? That's like fruit cereal because it's in a, <laughs> it's fruit cereal. All right, it's fruit in a milk-based no. liquid. Parfait feels like it breaches the line and maybe becomes fruit chowder and not fruit soup. Oh, Ooh, okay. fruit chowder is yep. Is boba soup? Yeah, boba's a soup. That's like a miso. Boba's more like cereal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So anyway, um, enough about soup and more about the fact that friends, it's been nearly six months since those wily execs came to us on hand and knee, begging the team at DT exclamation point HQ to do something about the woes of the American education system. We put our collective noggins together to remaster some of the grittiest video games in history as fine edutainment experiences. Well, good news, friends. The test scores are in and they are arbitrarily rising. Our edutainment <laughs> remasters solved education and everyone now, to quote Owen Wilson from Loki, sounds super smart. Anything yeah. for the bad? Great. Owen that Wilson. That wasn't great. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't do a great. Oh, Andrew, can you do an Owen Wilson real quick? Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Nailed it in one. Perfect. In one. The bad news, however, is that students seem to be forgetting the actual events of history in lieu of the fun new things they're learning through our educational video games. The news media is getting all up in arms about our so-called agenda and what they've started referring to as critical games theory. I hate nope. this. Don't no, like that. I'm, I'm out. Bad. Oh, that's the line? That's it? Yeah. Critical yeah. games theory was the line, huh? Soup was the first and second strike. <laughs> that's so much worse than fruit soup, Matt. Like... I don't see how you don't understand that. A litany of sins. <laughs> to satiate the masses, we here at DT exclamation point HQ are determined to show that our creative efforts can, in fact, go both ways. Six months ago, we may have turned a gritty game into an edutainment experience, but now we must turn an educational moment in history into a gritty game. To ensure that the developers here at DT Exclamation Point HQ create a game that is both historically accurate and culturally relevant, I've called forth some of the best revisionists that nerds in R&D have to offer. Please welcome Kyle Betty Crocker Harper, Todd William Tell Thomas, 
and Andrew Mavis Beacon Henderson. Todd William Tell Thomas could be like a legitimate athlete's like right. like pseudonym. It's got all the parts. These are all people that don't actually exist. Yeah. You got it. I'm so impressed. Nice. Right on. We'll see if you get this next one because these specific nerds have already played the inverse of this prompt. I wanted to bring in someone from outside the organization to provide us some more insight. So with that, I have asked Eric David St. Hubbins Silver to join us here in the boardroom. You may know Mr. St. Hubbins Silver as the best GM in podcasting, GM of Join the Party, (laughs) the host of Tell Me About It, the host of Games and Feelings, or the more cultured among you may ping him as the voice of Kyrius Rayburn in the finance arc of our D&D Patreon show, The Office Drones. Eric, welcome back to the show. The first thing I have to say is that Fruit Soup was the name of the ska band I was in high school. <laughs> Good. Time. That's one count on that joke. <laughs> That's two. That's two times I did it. But you, you, you folks only get to hear it once. Uh, I'm so happy to be back. This is incredible. I had so much fun doing the first one where we did an expansion for Hades, which I loved. And in my head, I still have the moment where I said that Queen Elizabeth was like the penguin in the Arkham series. And Andrew said, I can't believe you made her a puzzle boss. And that's been ringing in my head for for years since then. Oh, good. Well, Eric, welcome back. For those who may not have heard you on the show before, uh, do you want to give everybody a brief little rundown about what you do and where your stuff is at? Absolutely. Well, you heard uh, Matt say the important thing, which is that I'm the best GM in podcasting. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, listen, I'm out here making podcasts. I produce four shows right now. Podcasting is wonderful. It's a good time to be in the audio business, especially because all the terrible tech guys are getting out of it. And uh, I'm just out here recording podcasts, making jokes with my friends, and then people don't have to see my face. Uh, it's great. I'm enjoying it. I love it. Sounds great. Well, welcome back and welcome specifically to this very unhinged and sinful episode that we are about to create. Let me kick that off by asking the first question. Guys, tell me about your historic event. Who is the good guy and who is the bad guy? And how will the player insert character take part in this historic moment? Kyle, I'll start with you. All right, Matt. November 22nd, 1963, wasn't a normal day on the <laughs> Dallas PD officer, Connor Andres. <laughs> Todd is already shaking the president his head. in town after all. <laughs> He's coming out swinging. So, Officer Andres wasn't assigned to the parade route directly. Um, he was working the security detail that day, monitoring the Texas School Book Depository, a building near the motorcade's route. While checking out the depository's upper levels, Officer Andres looks out over a nearby hill. Well, not really a hill, more like a a gentle slope. No. (laughs) What's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. (laughs) Looks out over a, a small grassy hill. And on that small grassy hill, he sees a man. A man that looks weirdly like the vice president. He starts to exit the depository. He didn't remember hearing the vice president was going to be part of this procession, but he wasn't really paying attention in the briefing anyway. Wait, 
Why does the vice president look like he's pulling out a rifle? <laughs> Why is the vice president leveling that rifle at the parade route? We're going to get sued by Oliver Stone. <laughs> what? <laughs> Why? Bang! Kyle! <laughs> Officer Andres tackles the vice president too late. The shot was fired, and the bullet found its target. The president's head. <laughs> <laughs> Officer Andres looks into the shooter's eyes. <laughs> There's no denying it. This is Vice President Lyndon Baines Johnson. Well, maybe he's the president now. It's hard to say. He doesn't know how, that, how these things work. As he struggles to restrain the vice president, Lyndon B. Johnson looks Officer Andres dead in the eyes and says, No one will ever believe you and touches a strange device to his neck, causing him to black out. <laughs> he comes to in a dark room, head throbbing. On a nearby table, he sees a note and some funny-looking glasses with CyberLife written on the side. No! He reads Kyle, the note. Kyle! <laughs> no! There isn't much time. They've already framed an innocent man, and soon, the former president's killer will be sworn into office. I saw how you tackled the vice president. I think you can be trusted. Put on the glasses and follow the clues to find me. Officer Connor Andres puts on the glasses <laughs> and is bombarded with light and signs and numbers. And after he adjusts and his vision clears, he sees the room around him, but with more, like information, uh, you know, shadows of things that seem to have once been there, but were not. I'm holding X. I can't skip this cut. <laughs> you, can. you can't skip this cutscene, but nope. luckily... <laughs> It's almost over because this was our intro to Quantum Dreams, Dallas Become President. Mm, wow. I was going to say JFK Become Human, but yours was better. I like that. Yeah. I wanted to be mad, Kyle, but I realize every major comic book series has at some point in time done this. So how can we be mad? Yeah, I picked everyone's mm -hmm. favorite Nexus Point yeah. today, and we're going to do a slightly apocryphal slightly. version of the JFK assassination, <laughs> as told by David Cage's Quantum Quantum Life. Oh. Quantum Dream, sorry. Well, here's the thing that I learned on Ooh. YouTube is that actually the grassy knoll is actually like a guy with like a green hill. <laughs> <laughs> so the shooter was on his shoulders. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I loved that the word that you avoided saying was Grassy Knoll, like Grassy Knoll is the brand name, but Grassy Hill is public. It's like the Kleenex. <laughs> right. The great value version of Grassy Knoll, yeah. Mm -hmm. Man, so obviously this hits a little different to the four of us who played Detroit Become Human on stream. For the listeners, this is a Detroit Become Human bit. For all 10 of you out there. <laughs> yeah, right, game, yeah. Yeah, for the 10 of you still listening to this episode after Kyle said Lyndon B. Johnson assassinated JFK. <laughs> Not a thing we're claiming is true. And is also an Android question mark. Um, excuse me, Lyndon Baines Johnson? Lyndon Baines full Johnson. Christian name. Mm -hmm. I did not know his full Christian name until this moment. That's what this podcast is good for, learning politicians' See, Matt, names. See, Matt, you already learned something. God damn. The extra funny thing about this is that Clancy Brown played... <laughs> LBJ in the crown. No, for don't those you connect don't know, these two things. And for those of you who don't know, Clancy Brown is also the voice of Mr. Krabs. In he Spongebob. sure is. Yeah. I love Clancy Brown. He's, He's also great. the detective in He's Detroit. He's in Detroit. Human. human. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah. I, yeah. I, okay. Great. Yeah. I also just saw him in John Wick 4, so he's on the brain. And I'm he's like, fucking good. nice. He's very He's good. awesome. 
I was really hoping this doesn't this is a different quantum dream game, but I was really hoping that we would get a detective walking around screaming, Jason! Jason! <laughs> Lyndon! 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 No, that's Jackie O. Come on. <laughs> that's her walking around the White House. <laughs> oh boy i do feel the need to point out that it is quantic dream not quantic, quantic dream i Thank said you. the wrong thing i called that studio the wrong thing three times and i'm not gonna say it right matt dock and points dock and points i wouldn't even correct you but marvel studios actually wor- owns the trademark on the word quantum we can't say that anymore so not anymore oh. yeah <laughs> <You're> right <laughs> whoops okay enough about that on to you todd todd are you going to assassinate a president today? Are you a bad enough dude to assassinate <laughs> a president? Well, I, I got that dog in me. You don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> no, I'm not. All right. Forget Tokyo. Forget Sydney. Ask anyone what Olympic Games was their favorite, and they'll tell you. St. <laughs> Louis, Missouri, 1904. <laughs> Richard Jewell. Okay, no, that's good. Okay, keep going. No, no one is dying at this Olympics, but maybe. This was the first time that the shores of the U.S. saw running of the marathon as its first Olympic sport on display. And guys, what a sport it was. And again, ask anyone what sport they want to fully explore rendered in video game environments, and they'll all unanimously say running three plus hours on a track. So... I've brought you something real special. Maybe you aren't bought in yet, and I respect that you're wrong, but let's check this historical lineup of characters that that you're going to see here. You got Thomas Hicks. Thomas Hicks is the finisher of the Boston Marathon the years prior. He's a well-trained brass worker from Cambridge, <coughs> viewed as an underdog behind a character that we'll find known as Fred Lortz. You'll be playing as Thomas Hicks in this game. Also, he has a team of bumbling idiots as his race team. We'll come back to them. They're not important yet. Let's talk about Fred Lors, perhaps the crowd favorite. Fred would ultimately go on to win the Boston Marathon a year later, a bricklayer by day and a runner by night. This man becomes the heel very quickly in a time of desperation. Enter Andarin Carabajal, a man from Cuba who fundraises his way to the north by showing, quote, feats of running across Cuba, whatever that means. He then gambled away his money in New Orleans, hitchhiked to St. Louis, and showed up running looking like an old-timey long-sleeve boxer. We'll ultimately have James Sullivan, the real villain here, the chief organizer of the games. He's ultimately at fault for the majority of the destruction that goes on here that I'll tell you about in a second, all because of his perverted desire to test the limits of the human body, like a sick pervert scientist. Also... (laughs) Alice and Teddy Roosevelt will be here, too. I forgot there's a president involved. We're not going to talk about them a lot, but their character models will be well-developed. Visually stunning, this landscape of St. Louis in the early 1900s, and also three-plus hours of cardio. The reason why the 1904 Olympics are so important is there were packs of wild dogs. There were participants being rushed to the hospital due to asphyxiating on their own blood. Jesus. It is the first recorded American Olympic cheating scandal. It's also the first documented, I guess, performance enhancing drug scandal because someone ends up microdosing on rat poison. (laughs) All of this and more. I am intrigued to hear how rat poison is a performance enhancing drug. You and me both. Would you believe me if I tell you that 
there's going to be science to back it up. Sketchy 1900 science. <laughs> you see enough details about something and then you're like, oh, I remember that Tumblr post where they listed all these, uh, all yeah. these things. Yeah. <laughs> that cracked article for me, but yes. Yes, no, same thing. <laughs> this is absolutely a cracked article that Todd read 10 years ago. <laughs> all of this and more in this action-packed retelling of the 1904 Olympic Marathon titled the 1904 Olympic Marathon, colon, a story of rats and poison. <laughs> it's not a Detroit become right. human game. I promise you. <laughs> colon, it's not a Detroit become human game. Todd, there is still time for you to do Richard Jewell <laughs> if you really want to. There's still time for you to make it a Detroit become human game. Too. Listen, That's true. Guys, save it for the post show. Everything can be a Detroit become human game if you want it bad enough. If you believe hard enough. Richard become Jewel, where you <laughs> save the 1996 <laughs> Summer Olympics in Atlanta. Oh, God. Okay, Todd, I do have to ask because you pitched a running game. Yeah. Can you tell me like just a little bit about the gameplay mechanics? Is it Quop? You run the marathon in real time. You, yeah. Oh, is it a Wii balance board thing? <laughs> it's Wii, it's, no, it's, it's, the, it's the ring fitness. You got to strap one to your thigh and you got you to gotta wave the other one because motion controls are all the rage. <laughs> I said it in Milwaukee. I'll say it again now. The kids want motion controls and we're going to give it to them. Okay. Uh, all right. We've got an assassination of a president and we have motion controlled 1904 St. Louis, Missouri based game. Three things that I think everybody thinks of immediately when they think of video games. Andrew, you're next. What do you have? What's your historical event? All right, Matt. Imagine this, if you will. Picture a Game Boy Advance screen, first of all. Game Boy Advance. Wow. Yep. It's easy to do because it just was added yeah. to the Switch, right? Yeah. The Switch Online. So I'm yeah. trying to get that SEO. The screen fades in with the following on-screen text. November 1920. And then the following. Feeling the reverberations of the First World War, the United States of America has elected a new president to replace Woodrow Wilson after his eight-year term. As the country leaves the fog of war behind, it too walks away from the progressive movement that defined this post-war era. Now, the Republican Party stands in the spotlight once more as the newly elected president appears front and center on every major newspaper in the country. And then we see a pixelated newspaper come up on the screen and the headline, Wario G. Harding elected. <laughs> Finally, Teapot Dome, let's fucking go. Yeah, baby. Wario G. Harding elected as 29th president of the United States. And we see pictured next to our hero, Wario G. Harding, is his running mate and now elected vice president, Cal Luigi Coolidge. <laughs> I'm not okay, even mad. that one's really good, man. That's uh, really funny. Alps, call it. Best pun to, to grace the podcast in six years. Like, bravo, sir. I had to, I had to take a break after I got Cal Luigi Coolidge the other day. I'll be honest. All right, so the screen fades once again, and we see an image of Wario G. Harding standing at a podium being sworn in on a cold, snowy January morning. But it's just Wario with his big head and his like mouth open wide, and he's got two fingers up like in the peace sign, and he smiles a big grin. The screen quickly shifts to play mode, and the word shake appears at the top. The player is then prompted to mash A to shake hands with state officials. You motherfucker. Oh, shit, it's a WarioWare game? Yeah, it's oh, a WarioWare game. Oh, shit, dude. That's incredible. <laughs> Bonus points if you can time it right to slip cash into the palms of the Republican National Convention members who made all of this possible. 
This is the player's first introduction to the game's many minigames in WarioWare Inc. colon Mega Misconducts of Power. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! Now, now, guys, much like the original WarioWare game, this entry is going to jump you right in without much background. So, like, as we go through this initial set of minigames, we help Wario G. Harding execute the tasks of his office, including some of the more well-known of his administration. One early minigame has Wario G. Harding punching time cards for haggard-looking steelworkers, thus formally mandating an industry-wide eight-hour work week to follow along with other industry standards at the time. <laughs> Another minigame sees Wario G. Harding furiously signing the Federal Highway Act of 1921. Now, this sort of tutorial ends with the screen showing an image of a rock, curiously shaped like a teapot with the caption, Teapot Dome, Wyoming. (laughs) (laughs) The prompt on the screen is then, leak knowledge of a federally protected oil reserve to private interests. And then after mashing A a few times, we are taken to the main menu and introduced our supporting cast, The Ohio Gang. And this, my friends, is WarioWare Inc. Mega Misconducts of Power, colon, the Teapot Dome scandal featuring Wario. Oh, my God. My favorite thing about this is that Warren G. Harding was known as a himbo, and yeah. I love that, yeah. <laughs> that it's been it's now Wario. Yeah. That's yeah. why he was elected. Funny thing about Warren G. Harding, he has a name for his penis. So did Lyndon B. Johnson. So That's did awesome. Lyndon B. Johnson. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Dude, wait. Is this like a like a... Hang on. So every- okay. Yes, Todd. All U.S. presidents are weirdos, <laughs> are weird freaks. And now yes. I ha- and now I have to add Warren G. Harding penis to my work computer's uh, Google history. Yeah, see, Warren G. Harding's name for his penis was Jerry. So mm. there you go. What were you gonna wow. ask, Todd? <laughs> I was gonna say every president has like a, a Secret Service code name, and I was now Kyle got to what I was gonna ask, and I I don't want to talk about it any longer. Jumbo was Lyndon B. Johnson's. It was not not original, but he had to have his pants specially tailored to make extra room for gross. You know what? I did know that his unit. Yeah, yeah. His Lyndon B. Johnson. His Lyndon <laughs> for his Lyndon B. Johnson specifically for him to gather power after JFK. He would have <laughs> meetings in the bathroom, yeah. so everyone would look at his dick while he was telling them what to do. Hundred, you guys are hitting like all of the presidents I know shit about. This is great. <laughs> wow, this is wild. When I said gamify a historical event, you know. 1904 Olympics was a stretch. I wouldn't have guessed in a million years we were going to do teapot dome scandals. So good for you, Andrew. You got me on that one. Now, Eric, what have you brought? What hell have you wrought upon us and our boardroom here today? Okay. (laughs) Get ready. (laughs) Shake it out for the audio. All right. You press start and the screen comes up on a pen writing longhand in a notebook. It says, no one wants them. They're no good. C'est une generation perdue, the lost generation. The young (laughs) ones, (laughs) they were spoiled, the young ones. We pan back and we see just the most 2009 looking Ernest Hemingway possible. (laughs) 
<laughs> as he as he picks up the notebook, he picks up the notebook, puts his hand into it, and kind of scrunches up the paper, but the paper clips through his hand a little bit because we still can't really figure out how to get models models to hold things. And he tries to throw the paper away because we are in fact diving into the lost generation, nineteen twenty seven in Paris. <laughs> As my video game. <laughs> wow. Oh, don't worry. Do you want to know why we're doing this? Well, it's because the developers saw Woody Allen's 2011 movie, Midnight in Paris, and said, oh, this should be a video game. Wow. <laughs> we should stop listening to the developers. No. <laughs> they only have the best ideas, Todd. What do you guys think the Venn diagram of people who have played Detroit Become Human and people who have seen 2011's <laughs> Midnight in Paris? Hi. I'm Is that hi. just me <laughs> no, I think no i'm also You're in that too? venn diagram okay. yeah great i think it's a circle i agree because i would definitely describe detroit become human as a game for people who call movies films okay for sure all right here's how this is gonna work i got took more inspiration from assassin's creed and from yakuza than you did so the game revolves around f scott fitzgerald hemingway and zelda fitzgerald uh the fitzgeralds are famous at this point and rich while hemingway is relatively unknown f scott is smitten by hemingway because of course they fucking were mm -hmm. and wants him to become a famous writer but zelda is deeply annoying to everyone because you can also tell that this video game was inspired by a movable feast and hemingway's memoir about this whole thing i want to get right into the character creator because it's absolutely the worst fucking character <laughs> creator you've ever seen in your whole life i need to affirm what's happening here there's like five preset faces three <laughs> Three hairstyles, like two eye colors. You could change your your skin color, but you can. There's like three different whites and one right. brown and one darker <laughs> brown. That's literally it. It's worse than the current me character creator on Nintendo <laughs> because you're you're trying to make your yourself insert, kind of like Nick Carraway in The Great Gatsby, where they just kind of like find you. It's literally the same thing. You mm -hmm. fought in World War One. You try to become a banker. You have a nervous breakdown, but no one calls it a nervous breakdown. It's just <laughs> just the bibbles or whatever the fuck they call it. And then you just go to Paris and you run to these to all these folks at a bar in the most Assassin's Creed way and Yakuza way possible. The game really isn't about anything. It's just side quests on side quests <laughs> on side quests where sure. you, you just get into fisticuffs with people all the time because you're fighting... Because F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway are like, you're not man enough, and then you punch some Parisian in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a side quest about writing. There's an entire like rhythm game about you trying to write your own short stories. It doesn't really matter how well you do on it. We will end up reading it in English class fifty years, fifty two hundred years later. Wow. You really did make a Yakuza game. Yeah. Uh, there's partying, relationships, gossip, and finding yourself. There is an extensive morality system, but it just goes from manliness to kind of emotionally connected. <laughs> is this a Duke Nukem game? What's happening? Hey, it, in F. Scott and Hemingway's eyes, absolutely. <laughs> All you're you're just ripping up Paris, and uh, let's see what it's like once you're done in the lost generation colon great becomes gatsby <laughs> stuck the landing perfect holy shit you guys wow cool wait eric did you say you're gonna <laughs> you're gonna write a short story rhythm game style is that what you said yeah 100 percent 
per, n- never mind. Now you've clarified and I <laughs> no question, no further questions. Wow. Okay. I'm imagining. I know you're imagining it like, or maybe the listeners are imagining it beat mania style sure i imagine parappa the rapper style i always honestly <laughs> thought it was more like parappa the rapper because i yeah. like that parappa the rapper is the only rhythm game where you're supposed to like be off beat <laughs> that's mm-hmm. all i felt like you're supposed to write it's just a man in the streets of parrots going kick pick punch kick kick punch <laughs> yeah i was thinking when you press the button that corresponds to the word that word is extra off beat and extra loud of compared to the, all the other words I like the combo. Maybe there is like a really big skill tree, but it's all just about like hurting people with your words first before you just like punch them right in the throat. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, where'd you get those suspenders? Nowhere. And then (laughs) right in the front. Fist comes out of the screen. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Well, I am very excited to hear about how you are going to turn this experience into a full-fledged game. But I need to know that you're ready to bring forth the whole picture. And there's no better way to set the tone of a historically accurate game than by introducing a massive roster of minorly famous historical figures voice acted by B-list celebrities. So we'll start with you, Kyle. Tell me about your NPCs. Yeah, Matt, thank you for asking. So first of all, I want to clarify, these are not going to just do voice acting. They are going to be mo-capped. Oh, uh, shit. For, okay. For this, this is going to be a high quality game to really get the kids immersed and make sure they really like engage with all of the material. Those uh, Super Spy Finder Detroit Become Human glasses are going to be like not just ways to find clues around Dallas about the assassination, but also give plenty of historical context to the game they are playing. So with that, we want some really well-acted, well-animated NPCs for them to interact with when they interact with these historical figures. Historical figures like Jackie Kennedy, played by Mila Kunis. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Lyndon B. Johnson, played by Colin Hanks. (laughs) Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, played by Ryan Gosling. He's really excited to to get into character for this one. And then kind of an odd pick here, but I'm going to drop a couple pictures so we can see the comparison here. Uh, we're going to have Jack Ruby, played by Brian Baumgartner, who you may know as Kevin Malone nice. from The Office. Got it. It's going to be a whole thing. You're literally building in the Screen Rant article as you're creating <laughs> I love it. Tell me that's not some excellent historical casting. The Brian Baumgartner bit is very good, yes. Yeah, that's that's pretty excellent casting for sure. The wonderful thing about this is that, like, obviously, Kevin, the guy who, sorry, Brian Baumgartner's voice doesn't sound like Kevin's. So they're going to be like, wow, who voiced Jack Ruby? Mm-hmm. He's like, did you know Kevin <laughs> <laughs> from the office? That is quite a cast. I love it. I am personally really excited for you to try to convince Mila Kunitz to come to a green screen and get covered in dots and reenact JFK's assassination as Jackie Kennedy in the back of a car. I'm excited to see you handle that conversation. She's on board. Like, she's in. She has family, guys. She'll do this. Like She was also in the first Saints Row, which I only know Mm. because I'm I'm literally addicted to listicle YouTube videos. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> also, Mila Kunis covered in dots was my college's ska band. So good. Go. Okay. Set the counter <laughs> at three, everyone. The counter is at three. Todd, go ahead and tell me about your NPCs. So the names that I will be dropping as far as the historical characters are minor of importance to the story of America. So that means I had to get really good voice actors. So these B plus honestly trending towards a list celebrities, Michael Fassbender, he will be voicing our Thomas Hicks. That is the main character of this story. Michael Fassbender is a A minus celebrity at lowest time. Well, depending on what high school you go to, your A minus might have been my B plus. So (laughs) here's to say. It's a fair point. That is a fair point. Are you going to like space jam it? You know how like they let Michael Jordan play a bunch of basketball while he was recording. You're like, Michael, you can do a bunch of laps in your stock car while we're doing this. Michael Fassbender will be showing up in historically correct shorts and tank tops. And we're actually going to make him run the approximate 25 or so miles that the course was in a dust trail just to really get him into the the method acting. Mm. We're also going to feed him rat poison to get him (laughs) (laughs) opposite. So that's 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 Thomas Thomas Hicks. That's our main our main character. We're rooting for Thomas Hicks counter of Thomas Hicks. We're going to have Pete Davidson. Pete (laughs) Davidson is going to voice the strongly mustached and opportunistically scrupulous Fred Lors. Now, you may be asking, well, why is this man so scrupulous? Like he's there racing like everyone else. Well, because he gave up at like mile seven and jumped in a car and was driven to the just last couple <laughs> miles until the end of the race and then ran to the finish line and everyone cheered and he got his photo taken with Roosevelt's daughter and the whole nine yards. Oh my God. And then Thomas Hicks rolls up and is like, that's not true. This didn't happen. <laughs> also, I had talked about Thomas Hicks handlers who were in the pace car riding right behind him. They will be the ones that will be feeding him a steady diet of rat poison, egg whites, and brandy, which is a 100% historically accurate thing that happened in 1904. No, I didn't say water. They didn't give him a lot of water. (laughs) I have had more rat poison and less water than anyone. Right. Uh, So these bumbling race crew operators, uh, they'll be voiced by Charlie Day and Keegan Key. Nice. Um, Good. All their voice acting will be recorded over the background noise of a backfiring jalopy. Good. Going to be in the background the whole time. That's the kind of immersion I look for in my games. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, I mentioned uh, there's a man from Cuba named Andarin Carabajal. So, again, he fundraised his trip in by demonstrating his running prowess throughout Cuba, which isn't defined. Like, I just imagine dude went town to town saying, look how fast I ran. And then they just, he gave him money. There wasn't a lot to do in the 20s. You could get people, a crowd to show up for just about anything. It's true. Like, turn of the century, all bets are off. He'll be voiced by Tony Revolori, uh, Flash from the Spider-Man franchise. Oh, okay. Now, we won't get a lot out of him as a character, and, and you might be curious why. And that's because he had to quit halfway through the race because he forgot to eat before the race. And so first he stole some peaches from a parked car. He asked the people in the car if he could have some peaches and they said no. So he stole them. And then he found an orchard, an apple orchard and ate those apples. Well, they were rotten. (laughs) He was found passed out and vomiting um, and had to be taken to the hospital. Oh, God. Yeah. So I mentioned Roosevelt, Alice Roosevelt, uh, Teddy Roosevelt's daughter. She is there part of the Olympics, just taking photos with the winners. She'll be voiced by Aubrey Plaza. 
uh, which means obviously that Teddy Roosevelt is voiced by Nick Offerman. <laughs> Canonically, Aubrey Plaza's dad. Canonically, yes. Aubrey Canonically. Plaza's dad. These are big gets, but I do have to drive home. They will be small cameos. Their studio time will be done in under an hour. <laughs> now, let's talk about chief race organizer and make pretend oil baron James Sullivan. You see, there was only one water station on this course, a 25 or so mile course, because James Sullivan said he, quote, wanted to test the limits of the human body under dehydration. <laughs> what? <laughs> like some sort of Mr. Sinister ass games organizer. Same. Me yeah. too. <laughs> <laughs> now, if that's not bad enough, he also set the race to start in the middle of the afternoon at the Summer Olympics. Oh, oh my God. Oh, God. And temperatures reached uh, over a heat index of 100 degrees. Oh, holy shit. This is like real shit. He then got like honored and went up to even higher ranks in the athletic organ. It's real, real. Nasty. Good. Anyway, how did everybody not just die? Well, like 60% of the racers didn't finish. Right. The winning time of Thomas Hicks was like three and a half hours, which for reference is slower than like any other Olympic finishing time ever. Yeah. And 14 <laughs> minutes slower than my fastest marathon time. So if that tells you how these like marvelous athletes hundred years ago did under dehydration and sun poisoning. These are peak 20s athletes. This would have killed your average 1920s citizen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't want you to get away with the humble brag there, Todd. What's your fastest marathon time after you've taken some rat poison? Well, <laughs> good, good question. I have not yet tested the limits of the human body under dehydration, Matt. Maybe we'll find out soon. If we get 10 new subscribers following this uh, episode, Todd will run a marathon yeah, we'll on rat poison, and we will stream it. With a little bit of strychnine in my system. Anyway, we're talking a lot about, about James Sullivan here. The dastardly James Sullivan, evil puppet master of the story. He will be voiced by famed voice actor. You may have heard of him, Clancy Brown. Yeah, Good! Clancy Good! Brown will be, will be the, the evil mustache-twirling, dastardly James Sullivan race director of the 1904 Olympic marathon. But he'll be doing as Mr. Krabs voice. It will be Mr. Krabs voice. <laughs> and, and mostly mostly said from the shadows, uh, like like a Mr. Gadget or Inspector Gadget uh, villain. Like a Dr. Claw. Mm -hmm. Excuse, yep. excuse me, Todd. Mr. Gadget was his father. <laughs> his father. Thank you. Oh, also, there's another person that we don't get to talk about that got 12th place as opposed to 9th place uh, because he was chased a mile off course by rabid dogs. <laughs> And who who will be providing voices for the dogs, Todd? <laughs> I, um, who who's doing who's doing the best? Uh, you know what? Uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Kevin Hart are doing the best right. dog voices in Hollywood right now. That's true. So, I do think they are objectively the best dog voices in Hollywood right now. You know who else has played a dog on uh, a movie would be uh, Tim Home Allen and the Shaggy Dog. Tim yep, Allen, yeah, Tim, Tim Allen and the Shaggy Dog. dog. Yeah, yep. uh, Tim Allen and the Santa Claus. Yeah. 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 yeah, Tim Allen and Wild Hogs. Yeah, Tim Tim <laughs> Allen in 2006's Zoom. Anyway, Andrew, I hate this game. <laughs> go ahead, tell me about your NPCs. It's like Matt's always playing Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, but it's Six Degrees of Tim Allen. <laughs> Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Six Degrees of Tim Allen's 2006 film Zoom. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> 2006 Zoom. Okay, so what we're gonna have is basically a a revolving door of legendary old white male character actors now let me i'll set it up because i have to explain the format of the game because this is a warioware game and if anyone's played a warioware game you know that 
all of the mini games are kind of split up in these these subcategories that are all kind of focused on a different supporting character who isn't Wario, right? And all of them have like different themes around that character. So in Mega Misconducts of Power, these supporting characters are the members of the notorious Ohio Gang, the group of 10 or so crooked politicians and industry leaders that secretly pulled the strings behind most of Warren G. Harding's entire presidency. Ohio Gang was the name of my Midwestern emo band I had in college. <laughs> you got this. Thank you. The Thank counter you. is at four, everyone. The counter is at four. <laughs> it's been zero days since a ska band joke. <laughs> All right. So selecting Secretary of the Interior Albert B. Fall, who, of course, is voiced by legendary character actor James Cromwell. <laughs> selecting him will... Uh, will unlock a series of mini games tied to transferring ownership of the naval reserves at teapot dorm wyoming by finding his friend oil baron harry ford sinclair and a crowd in a kind of where's waldo type game so then after leasing the property in a backdoor deal there's a red light green light type game where where you have to press the button at the right moment to accept bribes free from anyone's gaze (laughs) I really like so lease as an action verb. Lease yeah. with an exclamation point at the end really got me. Yeah. I'm immediately taken back to playing WarioWare Smooth Moves as mm-hmm. you do this, Andrew. I'm 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 in. Mission accomplished. So then selecting Attorney General Harry M. Daughtry, aka Harry D, voiced by the legendary character <laughs> actor Ed Begley Jr. Of course. <laughs> of course. Will pit the player in a series of challenging mini-games requiring them to deny any involvement in or knowledge of illicit activities happening within the administration, like illegal poker games or smuggling of expensive liquor during the height of prohibition. Now, after those levels, we graduate to the more complex denial of most of Wario slash Warren G. Harding's administration, and he included receiving financial kickbacks from oil companies in return for this leased land. Finally, selecting Charles Forbes and Jesse Smith, a.k.a. Charlie and Spitz, who are voiced by legendary character actors Stephen Tobolowski and Stanley Tucci, <laughs> respectively. <laughs> you can stand to make a lot of quick cash by embezzling approximately $2 million <laughs> from the newly formed Veterans Bureau by stashing hospital <laughs> supplies purchased with federal money and then selling them on the black market for a discounted rate. Wow. Also, Wario is going to be voiced by Gary Oldman and Cow Luigi is going to be voiced by legendary character actor Walton Goggins. Hell yeah. Oh my gosh. Andrew, I just have one question for you. Sure. Only how one? much? Just a one. One no, single yeah, one. one. It's one, one single question. Yeah. How much wage theft did you do for your job to prep for this show? <laughs> um, I think the answer to that is both not a lot and also a lot. Got it. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> There's a fine line between a lot and not a lot. I, I feel. When researching the Teapot Dome scandal, it's a fascinating story. And I will link my research in the show notes because it's actually like comes from a, there's a really good YouTube, YouTube channel. But it's one of those things where you watch it and you're like, oh, yeah, like I can fill in the blanks. Like, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> none, of, none of this is a shock, you know, like I, it, I don't have to suspend a lot of disbelief, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, and it's also far enough back that. Obviously, they weren't emailing documents. They were like handing documents over, which is just way more fun to think about tracking. Super is. Wow. All right. Uh, Well, that took me to some places. Eric, tell me about the cast of your definitely not Midnight in Paris game. (laughs) (laughs) It is legally distinct from Midnight in Paris. (laughs) 
All right, I got to get into the NPCs. Um, so first and foremost, F. Scott Fitzgerald kind of going to be like our neutral party. He can go one way or another. He's getting pulled in both directions by Hemingway and Zelda Fitzgerald. I think it's really it would be really funny to do Toby Maguire as F. Scott Fitzgerald. It's <laughs> <laughs> really because like he's become so rotten to the core. For those of you who've seen him in Babylon, but it's extra funny because he was Nick Carraway of the Baz Luhrmann and <laughs> Great Gatsby, so he's come all the way back around. Because of course he just sees that he is F. Scott Fitzgerald, so Carraway and they're tied together. Mm -hmm. um, Hemingway. Oh, it's Joel from the uh, from the Last of Us. It's Troy Baker. Oh, we have good. to have Troy oh, Baker. Nice, of good. Yeah, yeah. He he's legally mandated to be be a man. <laughs> he's required. Yeah. If you have a AAA game that needs voice acting, he is he is contractually obligated to be there. Yes, it's true. Um, but don't worry, we have a meaty part for a woman here. Thank you, AAA developers <laughs> I, none of you even had a daughter this is wild uh we for zelda fitzgerald i want to do marisha ray who you might know as matt mercer's wife and also very frequent voice actress and very talented voice actress in her own right and also she's on critical role this is really important because everyone all of the fans of critical role hate her so much yeah, so, really. putting, so putting her in a yoko ono situation like zelda fitzgerald oh, that's really good the developers are doing it in intentionally to stoke the flames and get themselves trending on Twitter. Nice. God damn, the layers that you have to wade through to laugh at this podcast to know that <laughs> it's a lot. You can relate Zelda Fitzgerald to Yoko Ono who you can also mm -hmm. relate to Marisha Ray is really Again, Critical <laughs> Role fans fans of of The Great Gatsby, concentric circle. It's the same. It's the same. It's even funnier because one episode of Critical Role is twice the length of Midnight in Paris. <laughs> Here, uh, Gertrude Stein, I think, will play sort of like a merchant from Resident Evil. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're back on track. We got our listeners just back in line. Yeah. There it is. And don't worry, she's still played by Kathy Bates like she was in Midnight in Paris. <laughs> Good. Her only line is, what are you buying? <laughs> what are you <laughs> You could pay if you have the coin. What are you, uh, <laughs> what are you rhyming? <laughs> <laughs> a poetry joke. Well, speaking of poetry, we can always hang out with Ezra Pound and T.S. Eliot and E.E. Cummings. Just lots of side quests <laughs> helping them figure out their meter. Um, I was going to try to get the voices of Tracer and then some other people from Overwatch, but I don't know enough characters from Overwatch. So I'm going to get some upstart from the 100-foot robot golf. Oh, you know the McElroy brothers will play these famous <laughs> James Joyce is there. He's trying to get his, himself published uh, in Dubliners. We'll get some fucking Irish guy from Game of Thrones. Maybe Sir Davos. That will work out. Adrian Brody will be playing Salvo Salvador Dali, who is there, mm -hmm. because he also played Salvador Dali in Midnight in Paris, which one is hilarious, but two, in a real like Far Cry, cry situation, all of the levels are going to be really melty and like they're on LSD, <laughs> yeah. like one of those. <laughs> um, we're going to have Josephine Baker in there, the very famous uh, dancer, uh, where we're going to explore race. Nope, we're just doing a dancey minigame a la karaoke and Yakuza. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as a full uh, homage to Midnight in Paris, there is a modern time traveler doing an Owen Wilson impression. I'm thinking it should be Andrew. <laughs> <because he's laughs> really Owen Wilson impression. 
if you unlock his first quest, maybe it's like a hint system or something when he tells you stuff from the future that he learned in English class. It could be Andrew or Brian Gil David Gilbert. Either way. Interchangeable, really. Yeah, they're exactly the same. But mm -hmm. I figure that since this was a video game, I got to get Lance Reddick in there because he just passed away. And he's mm -hmm. such a fucking talented voice actor with his incredibly deep voice. So I wanted him to be the avatar of all publishing because routinely you're going to have to send in stories and poems <laughs> to see if like you'll get up $200 to spend immediately on red wine. And he's playing a Mr. Eastern House where he says, oh. What kind of words do you have for me? <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Oh my God. Guys, just incredible. I really hope we have at least one lit major out there listening because, man, like this one's for you, friend. Like, holy <laughs> shit. Yeah, it really is. Wow. God, what an incredible journey. All right, let's let's get back to the game here. I've seen your cast. Believe me, I am star studded. I star studded was the wrong word. I am star struck. I have been mm -hmm. studded by gaze upon my belt. It is studded with stars. <laughs> <laughs> studded with stars was the name of my ska band. You can set the counter at five. And now right. I would love it if you could tell me what real life moment from your historical event will you take massive, and I mean massive, creative liberties with. To create a grand cinematic final scene of your game. Kyle, I have never been so scared to ask you to answer a question. <laughs> but tell me the big cinematic scene of the JFK assassination game, Kyle. I keep remembering what Kyle's thing is. <laughs> it's jarring every time. It never gets easier. Well, Matt, um, I'm glad you asked. Because the FBI files haven't been fully declassified yet. Boo, and DLC, because... boo. <laughs> <laughs> and because the files that have been class declassified are so heavily redacted, we are taking quite a bit of creative liberty with Dallas become president. <laughs> Lyndon B. Johnson is not a time-traveling android that assassinated John F. Kennedy, as far as we know. Good save. You can't prove that. <laughs> yeah, good, good save. That's a big one. That's a big creative liberty we're taking. And there will be more throughout, mostly to um, make sure that students playing the game for the edutainment are able to hit all of the major players in the investigation of the JFK assassination on this kind of like single city and like crunched timeline. So like, Jack Ruby was not involved in the assassination. He was someone who came up in the investigation. The Warren Commission wasn't formed until months later, but they're all going to make like cameo appearances around Dallas to uh, to help players learn what these people did in the historical context. However, Matt, I think the biggest creative liberty we are taking is that Lyndon B. Johnson did not have a showdown on the torch of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> with a unknown police officer at the time where he was eventually either victorious or plunged to his death from the torch of the Statue of Liberty, depending on which ending of the game you get. Um, so that will probably be the largest <laughs> creative liberty we are taking with this historic event. Oh, Kyle, you didn't take AP US history? Yeah, we covered that. <laughs> 
<laughs> I did not take AP US history. Oh yeah, I got a four. <laughs> <laughs> Every single one of my history classes usually got right up to uh, build up to Vietnam. Yeah, and then ended. So no, I did not learn about. Lyndon B. Johnson's historic fight on the torch of the Statue of Liberty, Ugh. unfortunately. Public <laughs> schools. Yeah. But our players, well, no, I, this, I, went to a, I went to a private uh, Catholic school. Uh, Catholic actually. schools cutting, cutting out anything they, they deem uh, anti, anti-Christian. <laughs> That's the thing. You missed out. The DB and DBQ stands for Dallas Become. That was an AP history joke. Matt, that was Thanks. incredible. I fucking Thanks. loved it. <laughs> I've been sitting here trying to come up with a DBQ joke for like two minutes, and <laughs> that was all I got. Oh, DBQ. Got yeah, it. Yeah, there core it memory. is. <laughs> core, core trauma unlocked. Got it. We can move on now. Wait, I don't think I get that joke. I'm going to need help. I didn't have AP history. They were they were big, meaty essays, essentially, that you had to write in the AP test. Mm, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. See, I went to a high school that mm-hmm. didn't do that. So <laughs> yeah. my buddy had a pen that he rolled up and he wrote all like 40 ex presidents like listed and on this little piece of paper and then rolled it up and put it inside a pen. So then he Hell was yeah. like undoing a pen and he had all the presidents listed during the AP test. It didn't help. Because it's incredible. It's, it's mostly a writing test. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all right. Um, anyway, now that now that we have all synced our collective DBQ guitars, Todd, tell me <laughs> about the big cinematic conclusion climax. The big cinematic climax of your yes. 1904 marathon game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd. I really want to see how this is different than the 2019 movie. By Clint Eastwood called Richard Jewell. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard Richard Jewell more in this podcast than I think I've heard ever. I think I can answer this question for you, Eric. Was Richard Jewell based on a 2011 cracked article about the 1904 Olympics? (laughs) If the answer is yes, then your answer is yes. Then then buckle in. Yeah, the equivalent of that is like a package at two in the morning on Fox News that Clint Eastwood watched. (laughs) Him yelling at a chair. Yeah. So at mile 14 of this race, Thomas Hicks, who was the rightful leader of this race at this point, Fred Lors had already like bounced, gotten in a car, drove to the finish line. Thomas Hicks, he was feeling rough. He's feeling rough. And his trainer said, well, we know what you need. And they said, for the next 10 miles, we're just going to give you little bits of egg white and brandy and the rat poison known as strychnine. And that is a very real story because strychnine like will turn off your neural inhibitors it won't it'll tell your body like to ignore pain or concerns or thresholds Hmm. to stop and yikes i know that because todd has taken strychnine to run a marathon i have taken strychnine (laughs) to run a marathon that's my that's my performance enhancing drug no one of the uh video essays i did watch on this brought sydney mcelroy onto the show to talk Hmm. about it so Hmm. there's your second mcelroy reference here yeah, so they they did blot his forehead with a sponge with water, but they didn't really like give him any water anyway. So for 10 miles, they gave him this devil's cocktail and he did manage to secure the W. And this feels like the moment that we need to gamify. So we're going to find ourselves here in this moment where you enter into a series of quick time events to keep your character, Thomas Hicks, from tripping over rocks 
and also feral dogs because remind you feral dogs loose in in st louis were chasing people off the trail which now part of the course is a cheesecake factory anyway (laughs) while your pace team is gonna throw all sorts of just miscellaneous substances in your gullet so through these qtes you're gonna have to delicately balance your digestive tract kind of like a tony hawk's pro skater balancing on a rail during a grind (laughs) To ensure that you ride the thinnest line possible as your body processes egg whites, hard liquor, and just a dash of rat poison because that's what science was saying was going to make us the ultimate athlete in the early 1900s. Now, this all will will end up with a one-on-one fight between you playing Thomas Hicks and Fred Lors, the man who has stolen your valor as you bust into the stadium to claim your rightful title. You get to see who will win in a battle between two men, both dehydrated and sunburnt. One who has run a little bit less than the other. But the one who's, who's run more is also high on five miles worth of strychnine and brain. It's honestly going to play out like a one-to-one fighter, kind of like Injustice does, where you just face each other and punch until the game's over. This is obviously where the creative liberties are taken, because in real life, Hicks entered the stadium like a groom busting up a wedding and accosted Lors, and then the moment was just kind of over, as his pace team was like, those guys drove past us, and Lors was like, ma, see you later, and he left, and then <laughs> Thomas Hicks got the the medal in a picture with Alice Roosevelt, I guess. That is really kind of a lackluster ending to an incredible story. I mean, if for what it's worth, it, it, this is, again, this is 1904, you know there was probably like, oh, he stole the medal, and someone in the audience goes, <laughs> Boo that man! And I'm sure they all like booed him yeah. out of the stadium. Everybody talks like this. Yeah. Um, what did you change? It felt like the, I'm I'm having a hard time following <laughs> the silliness of your answer with the silliness of this There's story. There's a, cine- a cinematic DBZ style Super Saiyan fight in the stadium. God. Oh, that didn't happen. Okay. Yeah, they didn't do a Mortal Kombat in 1904. Yeah, you could have told me that literally anything you just said happened, and I would have believed you because right. they were all high on rat poison. So, like, <laughs> well, eyewitness sure. accounts are suspect. They describe how Thomas Hicks, and there's a photo. I'll I'll put it in the show notes when we're done. There's a photo of Thomas Hicks after he won, and his pace team is like standing proudly, and he looks like a fucking ghoul. Like (laughs) and and like the description of him is that they in the last like three miles to hear him tell it he was hallucinating and thought that he had 20 more miles to go (laughs) and so he was just moving left foot and right foot arms not moving skin sagging and gray (laughs) and his face was like this man needs more egg whites (laughs) 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 oh my god that's yeah I kind of just want to stop the whole podcast and talk about the 1904 St. Louis, yeah, yeah. St. Louis yeah. Olympics. That's well, insane. There's more, and we'll ha- we'll do it in the post show. Yeah. Okay. All right, uh, Andrew. Let's get back to the teapot dome game that we've created on this podcast. Yeah. Tell me about the big cinematic conclusion to your WarioWare game. Sure. So again, like a WarioWare game, you have all the different characters, right? You go through the levels. So after you go through all the levels of each of the 10 members of the Ohio gang, the player finally gets to select Wario G. Harding himself, along with Wario's trusty VP. So one more time, Cal Luigi Coolidge. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, hold on, Andrew, you haven't done a why yet in this entire time. Are you saving it? Oh, thank you. <laughs> but like, but it's got it's got that Atlantic Atlantic the like, transatlantic wire. Yeah, that transatlantic yeah. like 
We talked to the president this morning and he said, wah. <laughs> yeah. And it's got, it's just a, a thick, grainy wah uh, over top of everything. So on screen text appears July 27, 1923. We see Wario G. Harding giving a speech at the University of Washington in Seattle, where the player is prompted to press A to platform for Alaska's official statehood. <laughs> That's what he was there to give that speech for later that evening wario is feeling sick as the camera zooms into his insides and we see a big old piece of garlic with a mean face now people <laughs> that know history will know warren g <laughs> harding died the night of uh july 27 1923 from gastrointestinal disorder thought to be a heart attack so what i'm changing is that wario fights that gastrointestinal disorder with <laughs> <laughs> with uh well with a minigame so the player is prompted to <laughs> drown the mean-looking garlic with bootleg liquor. <laughs> because, as Eric mentioned before, Warren G. Harding was a himbo. True. If successful, Wario G. Harding will stave off the cardiac arrest that would have otherwise killed him that night and, of course, led to his VP Coolidge taking office. So, following this near-death experience, Wario G. Harding turns to his VP and resolves to make things right during his final year of his first term as president. Wario comes clean to the public the next day, and the remaining minigames are spent hunting down the remaining members of the Ohio gang and bringing them to a swift justice. The credits roll as Wario G. Harding resigns from office with a clear conscience, and we end just as we began, with Wario G. Harding with his hand on a holy Bible on a snowy <laughs> January morning as he gives a peace sign and he grins. Roll credits. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> you know, this really explains Super Mario World 2 so much more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Well, this has been an absolute journey. Eric, round us out. I've already learned more about the Lost Generation than I knew in my whole life. Why don't you go ahead and tell me how it all comes to a head? And I will believe whatever you say is implicit truth. That's true. If people are using this instead of reading The Great Gatsby, this is a problem because this is where everything <laughs> starts to divide a lot. Because surprise, we spent the major all the entire time in Paris. We're now going right to New York City and Long Island for a massive flapper party, and which is going to be the last. Oh, sorry, I'm looking at, a, at this beautiful photo. This is fucking ridiculous. Out, Don. Yeah. That man who looks like he's been through hell in the center. That's the man who went through hell who won. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, no. Surprise, we're spending the last, the finale of this game in New York City. I think it's like massive flapper party, real Boz Lerman vibes, kind of set up like a Hitman level, uh, <laughs> where there's a lot to do, a lot of people to talk to. Oh, and it's also funny because all of the NPCs are in New York City, even though they were all in Paris before. <laughs> They're all Good. like, oh, let's all go to the Fitzgerald's house. That sounds great. Uh, but the main thing is that this starts to really uh, boil down because you've got to make your final choice. Uh, you see that Fitzgerald's and Zelda's relationship is really falling apart. And we're just really mashing up everything that happened to them after 1926 <laughs> with the Great Gatsby together. So here are your choices. Zelda asks you to save their marriage and prove that Hemingway is trying to ruin F. Scott Fitzgerald. Or Hemingway tells you that Zelda is out to ruin Fitzy and she's also plagiarizing a bunch of his work that she's saying is hers. Now, depending on how your morality went, whether you're a man or you're like a guy who has some sort of feelings, you might actually be closed off to one. So you might not even be able to do both. 
This is where it splits. You need proof that Zelda was plagiarizing from short stories, and if you end up finding that and confronting her, she totally cracks up, and then there's like a 1920s car chase where you're driving and doing QTs at the same time, beating, (laughs) trying to keep her from taking the wheel from you and just driving off of a bridge somewhere in Long Island. (laughs) If you try to take down Hemingway with Zelda when you see his diary saying how much he loves F. Scott Fitzgerald and wants to touch his little face, we we immediately go out into the dunes of the uh, South Long Island beaches where you're playing a Metal Gear Solid style boss fight. (laughs) First of all, you have to go between the dunes. Uh, Hemingway is trying to shoot you with an elephant gun. And then if you get close enough, it becomes a punch out style boxing uh, (laughs) round. (laughs) <laughs> where you need to hit him in the stomach where he has a little X on it and then you hit him and then his pants fall down and then you hit him you're in the doing face. A, you're doing a Metal Gear Solid 4. Yeah, 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 where you get to, <laughs> you get to do both at the same time. <laughs> if, you plug into the, if you plug into the second player, uh, Salvador Dali just goes, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can we get another one of those real quick? I hear you like Castlevania or whatever. <laughs> What are you doing? You should be playing the game. Adrian Brody's not very good at Salvador. No, here's the thing. Good thing we let him do it twice. Yeah, it's a really good thing. Uh, Even when you get him down to the lowest health, he runs away and he writes in a movable feast that that Hemingway actually beat you. Only if you perfect it without getting damage does he write in a movable feast that you are the greatest man I've ever known. However, there is a third secret ending. (laughs) If you find the man in an all-white suit and a white derby hat, you can steal things off of everyone in the party, including all of your NPCs, just lift their wallets out. And then it turns out that's Meyer Lansky, famous Jewish gangster, and he shoots all all three of your main characters. And then a screen just comes up that says, the Jews win. <laughs> Incredible. Perfect. A perfect no ending. <laughs> oh my god. Would we, would we consider that the S ending? That's like the S tier ending? Yes, I think that would be the S tier ending because right. there's a lot of conversation online. The fact that like it's more interesting to do the Hemingway boss fight that like you're supposed to think Hemingway's an asshole. So the game mm. is actually feminist. And then a lot of videos are saying against that, but really the AAA guys just really liked Midnight in Paris. Man, <laughs> this has been something special, you guys. Just really, really something. Eric, incredible job. Honestly, you said QTEs while you're driving in a, a car chase, and that reminded me of 2004. Four's James Bond Agent Under Fire, one of my favorite games. Getting a lot so, of Agent Under Fire vibes here for sure. Yeah, definitely <laughs> getting a lot of Agent Under Fire games. Says guy who's mostly played Agent Under Fire. <laughs> anyway, I just like the idea that you have to use the control sticks while also doing QTEs. That's the, the <laughs> yeah. actually trying to make a QTE a little bit more interesting. You did say you were going to make a Quantic Dream game, so congrats, you did. No, Kyle made the Quantic Dream game. It doesn't matter. I, my Metacritic, my Metacritic score is all fucked up from all the people who thought it was feminist and, and review bombed it. <laughs> all right. Well, speaking of bombs, I have one to drop, and it is the super secret bonus question. We are ready to make a decision here, myself and the execs, and, and we're going to go talk about it or whatever. But first, I need to know that this game will be signed, sealed, and delivered, and it will be delivered 
in a box with some really cool art. So I'm going to need you to tell me about the box art of your game that is going to get the kids to take this game off the shelf and learn something about history or whatever. I will take your answers (laughs) right after this. All right. Welcome back. I stand here before you with my team of execs and their wallets ready to distribute funds to a development team to make us your game. As soon as you answer my super secret bonus question, which was tell me about the box art of your game. What are you going to put on the cover to get the kids to pick this thing up right off the shelf? Kyle, we will start with you. Yeah, Matt, it's not an overly complex uh, box art cover. It's going to be a a close-up on on half of Lyndon B. Johnson's face. Mm. But he's going to have the uh, Detroit Become Human android eye um, instead of a regular <laughs> human eye. <laughs> and then maybe in the background, he'll be like shooting finger guns, but like there will be a stylized line coming out of the, the finger gun because like... He shot John F. Kennedy in this in this continuity. Oh no! I feel like allegedly. I, I feel like I need to download a fourth Photoshop trial so that I can make that image. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right, Todd, tell me about your box art. Yeah, so we're gonna have something that looks a lot like a Far Cry game. So we're gonna have that main character front and center, right there in the middle, with a lot of like shit going on around him that you gotta look for. So we're going to have, which is right. That's what a Far Cry box game is. It's not wrong. Some of the things you're going to see going on around this this man in the middle here is, is you're going to see a man being chased by dogs. You're going to see a man being taken to the hospital because he's inhaled too much road dirt. You're going to see a man vomiting while eating apples. You're also going to see a man waving and smiling from the back of an old jalopy vehicle. You're going to see a man running while holding eggs in one hand, brandy in the other, and being spoon-fed poison. Because, reminder, this man was spoon-fed strychnine. <laughs> You'll see Aubrey Plaza and Nick Offerman. That's how you know you're going to win, where you have to keep reminding people, remember the wild <laughs> shit that happened yeah. in my thing? I love that. And right in the center, in a full white suit, twirling his mustache to signify that he is, in fact, the villain of the story, James Sullivan... And in his right hand, he will have a crushed water cup to signify that he didn't give him any water. Oh, got it. (laughs) To test the human bounds of dehydration. It was 90 degrees when they started the race. All right. (laughs) Throw throw a thermometer up there, too. Why not? I'm sure. Why not? It's a real Marvel movie poster. (laughs) He's holding a sign that says it is currently 90 degrees when I start this race. Perfect. (laughs) It's me, this guy who started the race. Right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, Andrew, tell me about your box art for your Game Boy Advance game. Yeah, easy. It's Mount Rushmore, but Wario heads. Done. Check. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so honestly, can't, can't. I'm surprised it hasn't already been done. Not just because that would be amazing, but this is relevant because Mount Rushmore was actually commissioned during Calvin Coolidge's presidency in 1927. Oh, Using this askew history that I've created, Wario G. Harding obviously gets a second term because he, you know, well, or did I did I say he resigned? I said he resigned. It doesn't matter. It's Wario's Wario heads on Rushmore. That's it. All right, too easy. <laughs> and Eric, round us out. What is the box art for your Lost Generation game? Sure. Here's the thing, guys. This game is gonna sell forty five copies. so the cover art they were real misguided because they tried to make it exactly like 
the Great Gatsby cover. I don't know if you remember. It's blue. The, with the eyes. Yeah, with the face. the only thing I remember from that book. Yeah, yes, exactly. But the problem is that this is exclusive on the PS5. So in the back, instead of a instead of a face, there's just like a looming P- PlayStation logo. <laughs> a, a perfect console for 45 people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eventually, he gets on Game Pass when they when they work it out. But yeah, yeah, it's like it looks exactly like a book. Like they spent a lot too much money, not even on the cover itself, but I think on like making the shell look like a book. Mm. So it looks yeah, you're opening it, and then inside is like a really really flimsy PlayStation disc. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. This has been a blast, and me and the execs are gonna go make a decision. And before we go, because I was about to pitch to Good Vibes and I forgot there's another piece of our show. Before we go, why don't you guys give me some closing statements, please? Uh, Kyle, we'll start with you. Yeah, Matt. Kids today are more skeptical of the government, into (laughs) conspiracy theories, and want to push presidents off the torch of the Statue of Liberty more than they ever have in American history. So we have developed a game that is going to give them exactly that and maybe teach them a thing or two along the way. I love it. Todd. Matt, I am giving, I guess, I guess kids, because we're targeting the kids now from what Kyle said. I'm giving kids exactly what they want, and that is a firsthand experience to learn about the first recorded issuance of performance-enhancing drugs at an Olympic event. It just so happened to be rat poison. <laughs> 1904 marathon, baby. <laughs> Baby. Baby. <laughs> All right. And uh, Andrew, give me your closing statement. Yeah, I mean, I say let's give the kids what they really want, which is a WarioWare game that's devoid of gameplay gimmicks and full of history gimmicks. <laughs> okay. And Eric, I'll take your closing statement. Now, folks, I'm just a small town former English teacher, Southern lawyer. <laughs> but I think for mine, for my game, the history speaks for itself. I would like to read, this is, I swear to God, I will sh- copy and paste this paragraph to all of you later with all of the footnotes because this is directly from Wikipedia, the Lost Generation Literary, or the, mm-hmm. this is directly from like the F. Scott Fitzgerald biography. Wikipedia, okay? This is what happens right before they go to New York City. This is kind of like the penultimate act if you were following the main quest line, which takes still takes like 13 hours to do. <laughs> you're not <laughs> doing All right. I'm straight up just I'm just I'm reading this verbatim, okay? Hemingway alleged that Zelda sought to destroy her husband and she purportedly taunted Fitzgerald over his penis size. Citation. Great. After examining it in a public restroom, Hemingway confirmed Fitzgerald's penis to be of average size. Citation. (laughs) A more more serious rift soon occurred when Zelda belittled Fitzgerald with homophobic slurs. There's a link to that. And accused him of engaging in homosexual relationship with Hemingway. Citation. Fitzgerald decided to have sex with a prostitute to prove his heterosexuality. Citation. Citation. Yeah. Zelda found condoms Link he had purchased before any encounter occurred and a bitter quarrel ensued, resulting in lingering jealousy. Citation. Soon after, Zelda threw herself down a flight of marble stairs at a party because Fitzgerald, engrossed in talking to Isadora Duncan, who is a pioneer of modern contemporary dance and in my game will also be voiced by Mila Kunis, 
ignored her <laughs> citation. In December 1926, after two unpleasant years in Europe, with consider which considerably strained their marriage, the Fitzgeralds returned to America. The game writes itself. Come on! <laughs> wow. Oh God, Eric. Can I answer a quick question, please? What does the um, penis inspecting mini game? Mm, yeah, good question. Yeah, definitely. incredible. This well, is a WarioWare game, Kyle. <laughs> incredible. Inspect. Inspect. This is actually um, to, of course, make another circle in our Venn diagram. There's a point in Cyberpunk where, which again I've seen because I'm addicted to listicle YouTube YouTube videos. There's a moment in Cyberpunk where you're having a conversation with Johnny Silverhand. I think it's like at a cemetery or something where you're like you, whatever. And there's a thing that like you only get the good ending and go to space. If you <laughs> say a very specific series of comments to him while you're having a conversation, and like only if you do this correctly, then will you be able to get the good the good ending where you and Keanu Reeves go to space. I like to think that this is a, an incredibly convoluted and long series of dialogue choices that only if you say exactly the right <laughs> thing while standing next to both F. Scott Fitzgerald and Hemingway looking each other's dicks in a public restroom in Paris, <laughs> will, you be, will you be able to find Meyer Lansky and let the Jews win? Wow. <laughs> This is gonna Excellent. this is gonna make the day of like one person, but just so much. Like this is yeah. this is one person shit so so much. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> oh man. All right. Well, now it's time for good vibes. Um I all the vibes are good friends. Give some to each other and I'll come back when the execs have a decision. Yeah. Uh first off, holy shit, Eric. Thank you so much for coming back on the show. Thank you so much for playing the game in a way it can never be played the same again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they called me Excellent. the they called me the Dr. J of debate. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The Dr. J of podcasting. <laughs> yeah. Um excellent answer today, Eric. I love this cross section of midnight in Paris and video gaming, because just Wow. That's me. That's the cir that's the circle. Mm -hmm. It's that's the that's circle. It. That's it. Todd, excellent historical event to choose. Um just one hell of a dollop episode of a actual historic event that happened. A fun game it sounds like. And Andrew, I will pin this picture of Wario G Harding I made. <laughs> Is that did you make that? It's very good. I made that. And the Photoshop of Wario's on Mount Rushmore that you inevitably make to my mirror so I see it every Perfect. morning when I get ready for the day. Kyle, when you started talking today, <laughs> I heard in a very specific way because I was afraid. Yeah, we're all on a list now. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. However, I, I thoroughly appreciated you giving the kids what they wanted. You know, I think we all collectively said we know what the kids want and <laughs> For you, it was Detroit become human, but taking liberties with the most historically famous Nexus event in all of entertainment. Thank you. Andrew, my wife's going to be thrilled that you talked about the Teapot Dome scandal. Um, <laughs> like I said, we got Kyle's fiance with Gilmore Girls. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get your wife with this one. It's getting all the wives. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, for for listeners, my partner's a big history buff and uh, Warren G. Harding is from a town that we have to drive past to get home. Like when I go to <laughs> visit my family, 
as part of a uh, an eighth grade or fifth grade. I think it was fifth grade, eighth grade field trip went to see the Harding Museum. I have seen the Harding Museum and the Harding home. I've been there. Did you see the teapot? The teapot's not in Ohio. <laughs> it's Kyle's in Wyoming. Wyoming. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> Common misconception. Kyle, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> a, a, uh, a failed title for my t- my game was Marion Micro Games. Hell yeah. Again, <laughs> who's that for? No, it's, it's for no one. <laughs> Kaluigi Coolidge <laughs> is just really something else. Eric, we oftentimes say on the show that like we try and bring topics that come to people and they're very approachable. You did such a special thing. You flipped like like a set of old Western doors. You swung it open and closed it and open and closed it and open and closed it a whole bunch. Where listeners that only have a tangential grasp of anything that what you were talking about could periodically be like, oh no, but I got that one. <laughs> oh no, I got that one. Wait, I missed. Nope, that one's back on me again. Small windows for listeners to get back in, mm-hmm. and then the doors closed again. And they're they're out again. Uh, much like whatever the 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 movie was that you cited earlier that I've already forgotten. <laughs> it's fine. It was a later Woody Allen. You're good. <laughs> I was gonna say you've said Woody Allen's 2011 Midnight in Paris on our podcast, which is not a phrase that I think has ever been said before. And so that's something special, <laughs> Kyle. <laughs> I don't know how you managed to keep the JFK assassination fresh. True. <laughs> fucking true. But you did it. And and you did it in a way that you have you have created yet another fictional antagonist of the JFK assassination. And by I do not think any comic yet has said, What if Lyndon Bates Johnson is a time traveling android? And for that alone, I applaud you. Let me be clear. Only for that, I applaud. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Um, Todd, holy shit! The the 1904 Olympics, great story, really fun. This was the perfect example of I came here and I want to talk about this thing and everything else. Be damned. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I I award you for doing a obviously like very clearly like a shit ton of research on the 1904 Olympics, and you have convinced me to do my own Wikipedia research. And again, for that. I thank you. Um, Eric, to echo what the other two have said, thank you for coming to our podcast and saying a very specific thing. <laughs> so we just did this episode on Gilmore Girls, and, and my my experience watching Gilmore Girls is very much my experience listening to you, which is like, I'm going to have to have my phone up and re-listen to it four or five more times and look up every... Pause every five seconds and look up that reference and then rewind and, and, and get it. And I think on the fifth listen, I'm going to get all the references... And it's it's gonna be and it's gonna hit and it's gonna hit all the hits the notes for me. Holy shit, man! Thank you so much for coming. It's always a pleasure <laughs> to have you. This was great. Thank you, everybody. Very well done. Of course. Uh, first, I want to shout out once again. This is an incredible topic, and I'm so glad I got to do it. It it spoke to me when Matt introduced the the list, and I want to give a special shout out to Matt first by saying that when I told Matt what I wanted to do, Matt went, holy shit, it's fucking on. And I'm like, oh, good. I'm really <laughs> glad that people are getting excited about the topic. I want to say first here that I intentionally tried to see as little of what you guys were going to say so I could react to it. So the only thing I knew going in was because Kyle announced and also Matt took a screenshot <laughs> that you were going to do the JFK assassination like Detroit Becomes Human. But that's literally all I knew. I need to echo and double down on what Andrew said that goddamn Kyle, I cannot believe 
you made the JFK assassination fresh. I think a thing more impressive than anything I did was the Clancy Brown-averse you fucking made. <laughs> the fact that Clancy Brown was in Detroit can become human. Holy shit. That's incredible that you you threaded together Detroit become human and the croon. That's insane. That's wild. Those two yeah. those two circles are so far apart of the Venn diagram. Did you know that Clancy Brown also appears in 2006's Zoom starring Tim Allen? Because he does. <laughs> does he really? Does he really? Shut really? the fuck up. Okay. The man no. works. The man works. Incredible. So hardest working man in Hollywood. <laughs> incredible. Todd. I am glad that I knew about this because I have seen a bunch of Tumblr posts that were exactly oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. oh, hell yeah. It's just ripe for a Tumblr post. Yeah. It's on me that I thought you were doing Richard Jewell, so I hope that didn't take away anything you were doing. <laughs> um, the whole time it reminded me about um, there's this game studio called The Molasses Flood. They did the Flames in the Flood. Um, very, very popular indie game from 2016. So it was like very specific. You definitely did the most specific event, and I think that that is to your benefit. I assumed we were going to do something a little bit broader. Originally, the premise was a Call of Duty game, but I'm glad that you did something that was more specific in telling the story because yours is probably the most likely game that would ever be made. And I think that that says something. <laughs> so I appreciate your choice and your illustration of the entire thing. Also, your casting was really good, which I which I really liked. Oh, Andrew, God fucking damn it. I I like being the one with the funny ideas on a podcast, you motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ, WarioWare War, Depot Dome scandal is something uh, I want to bring to David Cage and have him give me a bunch of money. Holy shit. Miyamoto? This is your cousin, Gary Get Miyamoto. <laughs> You've been looking for that new sound? Well, here it is. Jesus Christ. Oh, that was, wow. it was truly it inspired inspired choice i mean you didn't after that we're done we're done that was that was i'm quitting the pod hot yeah but yeah wonderful i love coming on this thing thank you for allowing me to make all my references i hope i the the things i know are the 1920s literary scene <laughs> video games and thing on the internet and i think i made enough references to those things that hopefully at least a few number of people got 50 percent We'll have a test later. <laughs> I love the Venn diagrams that we make on this show. They are very important to me. The, even the sillier and wider spread they become. I love them all. And this episode was a blast. Uh, thank you all. I don't typically give good vibes when I host, but typically when I host, all the vibes are bad and there aren't that many bad vibes today. <laughs> so this has been great. It is time for me to make a decision. I have squared away with the execs. I have bad news for three of you and great news for one of you. First up for the bad news, Kyle. Kyle, I have terrible news. And it's not for the reason you think. It's because in 2004, a game called JFK Reloaded was released. <laughs> Shut up. Uh, Shut I up. was hoping no, none of you, I was hoping none of you uncovered <laughs> JFK Reloaded. Where the player controlling Lee Harvey Oswald is tasked with recreating the three shots fired at Kennedy and gains higher scores the more accurately they line up with the report. Was it released on Newgrounds? Like, the platform is Windows, it says. Yeah, it's a PC game. That did come up in my research. I am quite disappointed you found that. This is like finding out your mayor got taken down for bribery. This sucks. Kyle's been like, do what? Really? Oh, I am from Cincinnati, and that has happened more than once there. So. Matt, can we get an update on what you had to search to find that, please? Yeah. Uh, it JFK was... assassination game. 
<laughs> first first hit. Video games about the JFK assassination got me their first hit. Yep. All right. Yeah. Hit hit. I'm feeling lucky and just go with it. I'm not even gonna lie. Google auto completed the prompt for me. Oh, I was no, like, know what you're looking for. Games about you. the J, and it was like FK assassination. Mm-hmm. You fucking freak. So yeah. <laughs> Are you a comic book writer? <laughs> These ten things. Oh man. Um. Next on the bad news train, Todd. I'm real sorry. I honestly also have just read the Cracked article a bunch of times, and I feel like <laughs> it's a story yeah. that's been told, and I, I just don't know that we need to tell it again. Unlike the JFK assassination, <laughs> yeah. there aren't many angles to that story. Uh, unlike the JFK assassination, they aren't, they aren't a 2019 movie called Richard Jewell. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Bates got nominated for a Golden Globe and an Academy Award. Come on. God, Todd, you're such a coastal elite. <laughs> right. For for the record, that was the movie that the name I had already forgotten. Immediately after you say it, I immediately forget it, and I cannot remember it. And that leaves me decision-wise with just Andrew and Eric. And while I loved both of your pitches very much, and I do mean that, I loved them both, only one of you taught me something today, and I didn't know a goddamn thing about 1920s literary societies. <laughs> Eric, you are the winner on the pure <laughs> fact that I didn't know a dang thing you talked about today, and you gave it all to me in a game, and your casting was just inspired, specifically Adrian Brody as Salvador Dali a second time. Shout out and not <laughs> shout out to Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Cole famously well versed in the Teapot Dome scandal. <laughs> yeah. Well, I knew more about that than I did the Lost Generation. He got a, he got a four in AP US history. <laughs> I, I've DB'd a Q or two in my day, Todd. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh man, uh, that's gonna do it for this dumb show, Eric. Before we leave, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? If somebody has listened through this many Venn diagrams, they want more of you. I know it. Hell yeah. Well, thank you once again for having me. You can find me on the internet, on socials at L underscore Silvero, E-L underscore S-A-L-V-E-R-O. My name, if I was a Lucha Libre wrestler with an underscore in the middle there. Uh, I'm producing uh, three shows you might want to I am hosting three shows you might want to listen to. I am the best DM in podcasting, so you should listen to Join the Party, the actual play podcast that I'm the DM for. We're currently on our third campaign, which is a pirate story set in a world of plant and bug people. Think One Piece meets Redwall with some plants and zombies thrown in as well. And if you want to hear about games advice, uh, Games and Feelings is my comedy advice show about games that I do. And I'm also kind of like on a Taskmaster style game show that I created, uh, hosted by Adel Rafai, who you might know. Um, It's called Tell Me About It, where we make people come on and talk about their favorite things in kind of like a real most dangerous game sort of of situation, (laughs) uh, which is a lot of fun. So go uh, check those out. It's very good. If you haven't listened to Tell Me About It, I definitely recommend it. I've enjoyed the episodes that have come out so far. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. And that is going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to Debate This. You can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Merch! We have that! Right now, you can go on the internet and order things that say Debate This on them. All you need to do is head to our Redbubble page and give us your money. Does our Redbubble page have a cool and easy URL for us to read in an audio ad? 
No, but you can find it with relative ease by going to www.debatethiscast.com and visiting the support the show page. Until next time, I am Matt Cole. I'm Kyle, President Kaluigi Coolidge, preceded by President Kerbert Hoover, preceded by President Falco D. Roosevelt. Nice. Uh, and then Harry Shulk Truman, <laughs> Dwight D. Eisenbauer, John F. Congedy. Nice. <laughs> Lyndon Byleth Johnson and okay. Richard Min Min Nixon. Wow. Harper. Good. I'm Todd. Time traveling android vice president Lyndon Baines Johnson is the name of my ska band, Thomas. <laughs> the counter is at six. I'm Andrew. Rat poison microdosis, the name of my ska band, Henderson. <laughs> the counter is at seven. And I'm Eric Lease Silver. <laughs> <laughs> And we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, you can come fight us behind the swing sets, nerds. <laughs>